Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. Today, we have William Liston, the founder of the Grove Collective. I wrote a story on the Grove Collective's founding back in December. I talked to William uh, in the hours after Ole Miss's Peach Bowl win over Penn State. So a little dated, but I still think the interview holds up. So you talked about why he wanted to get into it. A lot of the elements of what was in the story, if you read it, how to form a collective the decisions that led to its long-term success and a whole lot more. Really, really one of the smartest individuals I've ever talked to. I really appreciate his time over the last couple of months as we put together the written part of it. And then of course, his time on the podcast as we were hanging out after the Egg Bowl for, or excuse me, the Peach Bowl for a bit. So think you'll enjoy the conversation. Before we get to that, though, I want to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Seaspire. It's time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with Seaspire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have a reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why Seaspire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99.99% uptime. Seaspire also prides themselves in having the best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning local service based out of the Southeast with industry-low call wait time. Seaspire provides 1 gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and the Southern Alabama regions. Seaspire is also proud to announce the release of their brand new 2 gigabit and 8 gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself the hassle by not waiting for your internet connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online to cspire.com slash home today to use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, at checkout for one month of free service. That's right. Just for listening to this podcast, podcast you get one month of free service when signing up for cspire check them out cspire customer inspired this podcast is also brought to you by skybox sports picks look i tried to tell you guys if you didn't sign up for skybox at the beginning of the college basketball season when they put out their model that is uh on you because the last two weeks skybox clients are up 50 plus units total they're up 22.4 units in the last week in college basketball. They rake it in every year. If you like college basketball and making money, which I don't know why you wouldn't like both of those things, you need to sign up for skyboxsportspicks.com. Go online, skyboxsportspicks.com. Sign up for a picks package that'll fit your price range. You can try it for a day, a week, a month. Hell, at this rate, if you're not signing up for the year-long all-access pass, I don't know what to tell you. You're just neglecting yourselves. Profit. Check them out today. You got NFL playoffs coming up. You got the end of the regular season. You've got college hoops that they absolutely mop up in every single year, just getting into full swing. It is a tremendous time to try Skybox Sports Picks. Don't be the guy paying the man every Monday trying to figure out where the money's coming from. Have him pay you and uh, get a little extra Christmas money in your pocket. Check them out today. They're absolutely crushing it. Again, 22.4 units just last week. How does that sound to you? Sounds pretty awesome to me. Check them out. Skybox Sports Picks. Com. Use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. This podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. Get a free newsletter from me, plus discounted meats. Right now, if you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, just go in and show Greg proof of subscription. You get three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. If it's a $40 valuation you're getting there for 20 bucks, just show him proof of subscription. He'll get you all set up. Then go find your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts of meats. Go to LB's this holiday season. It will make everything in your house better. People will be like, where the hell did you get this awesome stuff? Like LB's University Avenue in Oxford. It is a crown jewel of the South, a crown jewel of Oxford. Check them out today. LB's University Avenue. All right, here's William Liston. 
All right, we now welcome on William Liston to the Rippy Rights Podcast. Um, you're not a podcast guy. I'm surprised you agreed to do this. You're the man of the hour, though. I really appreciate you doing the story, and I hope it brought a lot of awareness to like what you guys did and what you accomplished in the moment. For someone like you, what's the Peach Bowl like post people understanding what the Grove Collective is and was? First of all, shut up with all the compliments, okay? <laughs> I have to, like, I have to, I have to, I have to play oh, real. Like, you know, I'm going to go home to my wife has tremendously <laughs> big head. I'm getting a lot of trouble tonight. Uh, the, your question again was what? What is it like now people that know kind of how this happened and what you did? Like, I feel like people now have a better understanding. I mean, I'm not tooting my own horn, but people now have a under- better understanding of what you did and when you did it. Well, I mean, it's satisfaction. I mean, watching, you know, like Ole Miss prevail uh, in this Peach Bowl game against Penn State, which everyone had predicted would beat us, and they didn't. Um, and I got to say, I was among them. I thought it was a bad. I thought it was a bad. I beat that ass. Yeah. And we played a complete game. I always thought we played really well because um, – I, I get I get I got to know the, the players on the team. Of course, they're great collective. A lot of character guys, you know. And um, I thought they we put up a really good fight. It turns out we gave them more than they could handle. So it was very satisfying to watch. After Ole Miss beat LSU, I had written a column for this newsletter that I'd kind of been doing part time. The Rippy Wright's newsletter. You can subscribe for half off the original cost of zero dollars and zero cents. You had texted me one night after that and said, how about NIL leveling the playing field? And that was a very poignant moment for me. And I know we talked about doing the story that we did, and I don't want that to be the main focus of what we're talking about. But that night, I looked at my fiance and I was like, he's right. Like, this is a different ball game now. This is. And because of what you guys did, this is a different ball game. And I'm just curious, throughout what you guys did, when did you kind of realize like, hey, we've like shifted the playing field here. Like what you knew about college football and all this other bullshit with Alabama and all that, this is like pre NIL is not the same thing as post NFL. If that makes any sense. Did you realize that at all? Um, I saw this thing started as an idea and it wasn't fully cooked. It just sort of evolved as we went along. But uh, I believe in that first Grove Collective year when we, you know, Jackson Dart had come in, Zach Evans had come in, Troy Brown had come in, uh, Jared Ivey had come in, and I watched us play Alabama at home. And that game was so close, it could have gone either way, and that's the moment it hit me how NIL done right really had the power to level the playing field. I felt really good after that game that – that you know, it, we have now have proof of concept and on the field result, which is funny because, like you mentioned, like I have a pretty good proof of concept, like I have a good idea is living in the playing field. Like, rewind 18 months, Jerry and Ely calls you on an August night in 2021. You're like, What the fuck are you talking about? You can't get paid. <laughs> Can <laughs> like, say those words yes, we're allowed to say this. We we made it an explicit yeah. podcast, like, okay. you're not allowed to get paid. I thought that was a very telling moment, and like, yeah. when your journey in doing this was like. Jaron, you can't get paid. And he goes, yes, sir, I can't. And I go, and you said, what, what are you, what is this? What are you talking about? Nope. And then again, as we put in the story, like I was in search of a holy girl, what was it actually like 
when you kind of got your head wrapped around NIL and you're like, no one knows what this is or how this works. So if we can be really frank about it. Sure. I'm here. So after Jerry called me, um, I started doing what lawyers do, which is research. Right. So I first looked up the Mississippi NIL statute, which was brand new. And when I read it, the first thought I had was it's got some grandiose name, Mississippi Intercollegiate, whatever. My first thought was it could easily be called the Mississippi Money Laundering Statute. <laughs> because, <laughs> but it is true in a very because I mean I, I looked at it and I said, This is a vehicle to take, you know, I don't know anything about past recruiting and you know, I know what everybody it rumors everybody else here because I was never involved in this. But I mean, so this could take all of that illegal money that's always paid under the table, and basically make completely legitimize it by moving it above the table and writing it in a contract, which is absurd to me as as someone who grew up in the generation of you cannot play collegiate athletes, can't pay them. Uh, and when I read it, I thought. First, I thought had the legislature lost its mind, or what's really going on here? I think the impetus of it was universal dislike of the NCAA, because when this legislation was introduced, it swept the country. Almost every state passed it, and and the only thing I can think that all of these legislators had in common is nobody likes the NCAA, because um, they think that entity's always been unfair and been selective in their prosecution which we've experienced. So when I read it, I thought, well, this is legalized money laundering. Uh, but, really but we need to be creative about it, and we need to write it in an actual agreement, and we need to, um, um, you know, obligate the recipient perform services, and, 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 you know, we just need to make this program bulletproof. A lot of it that happened in year one was risk management. We're gonna, we want to build this thing. We think it has helped, but we want to manage the risk. So we didn't take a lot. And our contracts reflected that. And our, I think our decisions reflected that. You mentioned like legalized money laundering. One of the reasons that became the Grove Collective that it wasn't like literal actual money laundering was the foresight that you guys had. And one of the things that I was very fascinated by when I was researching and reporting the story was you guys had a very shrewd decision to make it a for-profit entity mm -hmm. because the ones that were non-profit were, I mean, to, for lack of a better phrase, fucked. Like that was just a, a bad idea from the start. But you guys had no template to work off of. And I talked to Zach Scruggs about this, but he was like, it basically came down to is, what is your charitable purpose? Like, are you really going to explain to the IRS that you broke your NIL deals? We have a charitable purpose. What kind of led you to have the foresight to be like, no, we we have to, this is going to operate like a nonprofit, but this can't literally be a nonprofit because you're going to start over from scratch because that was a seminal moment. Why did you do that? Well, I had first had multiple conversations with Zach about that, like, because we were debating it back and forth. Right. Just like you, you depict. Um, I could never see how, I mean, to, to be deductible and I'm not a tax lawyer, but it has to be something for a charitable, religious or educational purpose. And I, like Zach said in the piece, 
I, I would never want to see myself in an RS hearing trying to explain. It's a great question. He's like, I don't want to explain that shit. Tags. We just wouldn't do it. But the real decision point for me was this. Uh, we were trying to build something brand new. Okay. We were trying for it to gain acceptance. We uh, wanted to have a firm foundation, and we weren't willing to risk the the birth of this thing and, and gamble that nonprofits would work when we internally felt they wouldn't. And we just thought if we make the wrong choice here, it, this is not going to survive very long. No, that makes a ton of sense. But at the time though, you're starting this thing. You don't know what it is. I mean, we talked about this too. Yeah. We're like doing the branding or trying to set up the accounting. You're like, what exactly is the growth factor? Your wife was very, in like uh, very influential in the I mean, y'all have a massive logo, that massively popular logo. I was telling you about this other day. The, the kid in front of me at the game today had the Grove Collective logo and logo was on the back. Like, oh, that's like fine. But like, you obviously though, at the same time though, didn't actually like. I say know what you're doing, but like there was no <laughs> template for this. Like, like this was very revolutionary, and you made all the right choices. Is there any part of you when you look back, you're like, gosh, damn. Like there was no blueprint. Well, there, a for lot this. of it was we didn't know what we were doing. Well, you clearly did. Everyone that's ever complained about the website, the explanation is we we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> you started collecting people bitch about the website. That's yeah, I mean, and and I and they have legitimate complaints because early on we had problems with the website. I mean, I'm not a web designer; I'm a lawyer, and I hired people to do it. Nobody had ever really built a good one for collectives, so nobody could really envision all the functionality it would need. And the irony is, yeah. y'all an incredible website. Like it's well, awesome. It's now pretty <laughs> yeah. good. I yeah. yeah. I think it's awesome. But but no, man, it, it was just an idea. It started out uh dealing with one player, viewing everything from his perspective, fair contracts for him. And then you start thinking, how can you do this for multiple players? And then how how do you incorporate it? And and most importantly, how do you raise money to support it? And I think one of the things that's important to point out and what you guys did and when you did it was I, so I was not really on the message boards back when you guys first started the collective. I just started working for Chase and Neil. I was like, I'm not looking at this bullshit. But when, when I wrote that story, someone had posted an older thread, which I thought was very fascinating. I went back and I made the mistake of clicking on the thread. They were giving you guys shit about registering as a poor profit. And from talking to you and from talking to Matt McDonough and all of that, it seems abundantly obvious. Clearly, no one's trying to make a buck from this, right? No, no, no one ever has. <laughs> y'all lost money. Y'all lost time on that. It was just clearly the foresight of like, this has to operate as a nonprofit that, you know, is technically a for-profit. Like nowadays, when you look back at that, like y'all made the right decision. But when you look at other collectives having to start from scratch, you're like, I mean, you're just sticking your middle finger up like, ha I told you so. Like, what do you see when you see those other collectives having to start from scratch? Um, you should have made a better decision. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they shouldn't have been that risky. They they took too much risk. You know, they promised people, hey, give money to us so we can uh, improve the athletics programs at the university you support. And we'll make sure you can deduct it all from your taxes. It seemed too good to be true to me. And it turns out it was. You know, the night before we published that story, you made the most poignant point I've, I think I've ever heard on all of that, where I was asking you, I was like, I need to add a section about why the nonprofit versus for-profit thing. And you said, can you imagine sending 
Oh, you'd have to. An email to all of your donors that, hey, this is actually not tax deductible. You're going to have to fill out an amended tax return. Yeah. You think those people would have kept giving to y'all? You think a growth question no, would be no. what it would be today? Uh, no, no. And, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame people if they decided they're never going to give any more again. Because, I mean, essentially you're writing letters saying uh, that deduction, I promised you would be deductible. You took it. It's illegal. So you need to go out and contact your CPA and file an amended tax return. I mean, can you, it'd been an uproar. <laughs> they didn't look at me like clowns. I know. I know. And and look, we took a lot of slings and arrows in the beginning about the profit versus nonprofit. And so, I but mean, it's I, ignorance I knew, versus uh, what people actually know. I knew on. that was coming because I had done some town meetings around the state before we ever really announced what we were going to try to do. And people always would ask what the nonprofit question. And my response at the meetings would be, if you can demonstrate to me how giving money to a college athlete is a, a profitable, I mean, a, you know, a, a charitable, charitable endeavor, then yeah, we'll do it. But show me how that's done. Cause I can't think of a way. Uh, and we took a lot of message board criticism because when you say you're a for-profit, people think, oh, well, they're going to be pulling from the money. They're going to be keeping the money. We intended to go to the athletes. I mean, we wanted from day one to be a pass-through entity pretty much, you know, and, and early on the words for-profit were, were buzzwords that were negative for us. Well, as we wrap up here, as Collective started and all this kind of came about, I, I didn't know who you were. Um, my parents had wonderful things to say about you, which, like, from my vantage point, I was like, oh, that's great. I don't know this guy, though. And it was amazing, like, when I started writing this story, and I know we talked about this for a while, like, trying to figure out who you were as a character in all of this and why you wanted to do this. This was just a genuine love of wanting to do something right for Mississippi and Ole Miss and understanding that the tide was turning. And I don't feel like people, enough people understand that there was no end game for you. You wanted to do this because you knew if you didn't do this, they were going to be left behind. You had to do this. And I'm just curious, like, what was that sense of urgency? Like when it happened initially? Well, the moral of the story first is don't ever volunteer for anything. <laughs> okay. Enough. Yeah, that's, that's probably, the, let's that's put the, that on the shirt. That's the punchline. I don't, I just happen to be in this place at this point in time where I, I was representing Jerrion. You're right. Uh, I was helping him write agreements. I was seeing the abuses that existed in the system at that time, and it hadn't even developed into a system, and was thinking of his best interest, and then when we had that meeting at David Nutt's office where they Ole Miss came to fundraise and started the subject change to NIL, you know, they asked if I could put together a larger program and like a dummy, I said, yes. And, <laughs> and then once you say yes, you sort of have to follow through on it. I just didn't know how extensive it would get and how time consuming it would get. And, um, but I, I wanted to stay in it for a length of time where it could stand on its own and it's it's doing well, it's flourishing because of the support of fans and the alumni. And 
it, it wasn't really a, a thought out. This is where it's going to end up. It was, okay, I've agreed to do it. So I have to do the next thing. What is the next thing? And then that leads you to the next thing after that. And, and you look up and, in year one, you got a small program, but you've got a very functioning program. January of 2022, when your house looks like a fucking Amazon warehouse package and you're <laughs> sending stuff out and you're getting the website done and all of that stuff. Did you ever think at the end of this, it would be as significant as it was? Uh, I hoped it would be. I hoped it would be. But and I thought it had the potential to be. Um, but it it. It has grown beyond my wildest expectations. We'll get back to William in just one second. But before we do, I want to take one quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Factor. Get started on your resolutions with Factor so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and more, Plus, over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolution. Skip the overpriced takeout trap. Factor is cheaper and way more delicious than takeout. Get chef-crafted restaurant-quality meals delivered right to your door. They're ready to heat and eat in just two minutes, which means more time for you. Factor has everything you need for a week of flavorful, nutritious eats. In addition to ready-to-eat meals, they have cold Press juices, smoothies, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep you energized during frantic times. Head to factormeals.com slash MPW50 and use MPW50 to get 50% off. That's MPW50, factormeals.com. This podcast is now brought to you by MC Speech Therapy. Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder? MC Speech Therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home. Other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC Speech Therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic. Using a relationship-based framework, MC Speech Therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Mary Claire Boudreaux's doctorate-level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training, and is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of Mississippi. With MC Speech Therapy, you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships. For service today, call 903-824-8575 or email her at maryclaire at mcspeechtherapy.net. That is M-A-R-Y-C-L-A-I-R-E at mcspeechtherapy.net. All right, back to William. Last thing I have for you. my dad. I talked to my dad. I remember when I was first starting to approach this story, my dad was like, William Liston is one of the most curious, thoughtful people I've ever met in my life. And I remember thinking about that throughout the story when I interviewed and all that. Your curiosity kind of piqued this, though, right? Like, it was just like, what is this? This is predatory. Like, I mean, I think one of the things I could have portrayed better in the story was the fact that Jerion had that predatory contract. Like, right? dude, don't sign this. But the fact that you were just kind of curious about this. You basically had a boilerplate contract for a frontier that didn't exist. Like, do you think your curiosity kind of propelled this to what it was today, if that makes any sense? It did. It did. I mean, but it did. But we do that a lot as lawyers. I mean, we get find something interesting and we seize on it and study it to no end. Um, and then, you know, after you're, you're refreshing my recollection a little bit, I remember about halfway through Jerry's final season when we were doing deals for him. Um, 
I was calling him saying, look, you need to talk to your teammates in the locker room and start telling them don't sign contracts that, that are exclusive so that you can't go out and get another deal. That would not be in their good interest. Best interest. Right. And so Jerry was sort of starting to preach the gospel in the locker room about contract language because, I mean, Jerry is a really intelligent young man. And when I sat down with him and explained to him, like, what is an indemnification agreement? What does that mean for you? What is the venue selection agreement? What are all these things? Yeah, I mean, you see the light bulb go off in his head, and Jerry would say, well, why in the hell would I ever agree to sign that? I said, you wouldn't, but you need to be educated about what these things are. And then I started thinking out during representing Jerry and, other players on this team that I care about are going to get taken advantage of. And that's why you did it. That's yeah. one thing. If I wish I had a, like, I mean, it's a 4,000 word story. And I was like, God damn, this shit's just over. Like I got it done. The reason you did that, that was not to start the growth collective. It was to protect kids from that. I mean, you, you did that because Jerry was predatory and you called Keith Carter and all that throughout that before the growth collective was thing. was like, you need to have protections in place for these kids. Sorry. I interrupted you, but no, no, no. that's I mean, why that's, you did that's that. That's true. I was like, I, I was really, I didn't know if anybody was educating them about some of the what this stuff actually means. Which they were contracts. For instance, I mean, I don't know how much long you want to go. Oh, have have at it. We're- For instance, there was a player that was in Grove Collective, and our contracts are non-exclusive, which allows the players. I intended them to be that way because it allows the players to go out and and do nil deals with third party businesses and whomever, right? Uh, and we want the players to be able to do that. There was a player that happened to be in the Grove Collective that asked me to review a contract. He was offered by another entity, and little did this player know, it would have lasted his entire lifetime by the way it was written. Like literal lifetime. Literal lifetime of that player. And then that's what you said and, about the Ely contract. And, was It's a kid that has no assets. And, but when you talk about literal lifetime, literal that's lifetime. ridiculous. So here's what would have happened to okay. him. He's on a contract that would extend beyond his collegiate career. That's what the contract said. Right. And then when this young man, who's now in the NFL, uh, on a on a roster in the NFL, when he would have gone to choose an agent for his NFL career and try to make the best decision, then he would have had this other group clawing at him, trying to use leverage, saying, oh, you should come with us because you've already signed away. 20 30 percent of your rights for the rest of your life oh so let's my make God. let's make this easy you just hire us as your agent because you've already given us all these rights it, i was on the lookout for what i call uh linchpins into the athlete's professional career you called it the holy girl for the story which is an absolute dynamite quote but you're yeah. exactly right but you did that to to protect the kids like that this was never i want to start the grove collective and I, I feel like that's what needs to be hammered home you did this to protect the guys i mean you mentioned for his entire life like yeah what can you imagine how much if that had become the norm and you're not done what you'd done can you imagine how much that would have disrupted the agent industry where they sign a kid at 18 years old and then he just signs away number one it's illegal because under that should be illegal under our statute most all statutes a contract and nil cannot extend beyond the collegiate career but but if you go read the contracts that's not what they say right which gives someone to make the basis for an argument after the young man graduates or goes to the NFL or whatever professional sport and gives another party leverage over him, which you don't want. So 
I keep thinking of questions, but I promise one of the last things I have for you is you talked about, I wanted to find a template agreement. You mentioned calling the SEC, calling Ole Miss, <laughs> calling other schools. And you're, you had a great quote in there. Like they didn't understand yeah, what well, they didn't, they didn't answer me because they didn't understand what I was talking about. When you're. Hey, I'll, I'll, let me add this to your question. Yeah, absolutely. I probably didn't say this, but at the town meetings, I actually called Alabama Tech, University of Alabama. I did. I didn't want to include that in the story, but if you're and, cool with that. I, at the town meetings, I would say, I even called Alabama because those people cheat yeah, on a professional level. <laughs> and I figured certainly they would have a contract. You know what? We're having to come to Jesus here because I quoted that in our transcription, but I put that in black and italics, which black and italics means cannot use this in the story. <laughs> well, we use it on the podcast. We have it on the podcast now, but I knew better than to use that in the story. But to your point, honestly, is you were doing something. You, the way you described the legal profession was very eye-opening to me. You said we're a very form-driven profession. You don't, if you don't have to like invent it yourself, you borrow off someone else. Yeah. You had to do this. And there's no borrowing off someone else. And there's no also precedent for it. I'm just curious. Did you ever reach a point where like, is this like fucking legal? Is this allowed? Did you ever like reach a point where like, what am I doing? There's plenty of times I've asked myself, what am I doing? Have I lost my mind? Is this going to work? This is crazy. I had to have those thoughts weekly. But um, no, I own the contracts. I made sure they were. Okay. And not only that, I made sure they were real contracts. Like when, when a, when an athlete portals in or, or uh, somebody signs a contract with us, it is a legally binding contract. It, if we don't live up to our end of the contract, the athlete could enforce it in a court of law. And there are plenty of NIL agreements out there in the marketplace that are not enforceable in the least. And I have talked to those lawyers who who peddle in that. And, you know, that leads to uh, uh, untoward result, results results that will harm the collective and harm school. And I, I can give you names and examples, but I don't need to do that. You don't. And also, you don't need to do this, but I will say it. You deserve a statue in front of the Ole Miss Lyceum. <laughs> You should drive into Oxford and there should be a statue of William Listen. I know you didn't do that for that purpose, but I mean, what you guys did changed the the scape of athletics for Ole Miss for forever. And I know you know this. I'm not tooting your own horn, but I mean, my God, what y'all did versus what could have happened in Ole Miss being historically reactive like they did. I guess the last question I had was, I mean, you look at the Peach Bowl today. You look at what you did today. I hope more people, now that we published this story, just randomly accosted you and said thank you. I've had several come up to me, and, and it's nice talking to people. That's I, lovely. I'm going to have more people listen, come harass you. When we started it, we we started it because we thought we had to crowdfund it. Everybody had to participate. So my plea is join, 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 join. Because if we all participate, listen, if we have, I look at Fault Hemingway on a Saturday game day, and I say it's, it's packed stadiums full and i look out and i think if we could just get those two sections those just two sections on the west side all of those people to join at 21 dollars a month no collective will ever catch us that's how powerful we would be so 
we just have to have more people join. And if we do, we're going to keep winning all these battles. But, I mean, the machine's built, machine works. All we have to do is fund it. But you built the machine. Unintentionally, yes. <laughs> but listen, yes, you but, did. But, but listen, here's a couple things I want to say. So you have to give me a moment. Absolutely, so, have your moment. Number one, if I get a statue, which I'm not asking for, get one from my college days because I have a full head of hair back then. Okay. I want hair on the statue. We made that happen. Okay. Uh, number two. I'm not on the statue committee, by the way. I don't have a fucking say in anything on how the statue gets. Uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll put it in a good word. I, I'm not holding my breath. Anybody's going to write me a letter and say what you want the statue to look like. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is, let me say this. Let me give credit where credit's due. Okay. Yes, we worked hard during the first year, couple of years. Matt McDonald worked hard. I worked hard. Uh, we had some great supporters who opened up their checkbooks and helped us, you know, gave us considerable amounts of money to be successful and get it started. They were post-trust in us, so we tried to perform at our highest level, and we're happy about the result. But there, a guy came along named Walker Jones, now, let's be clear, who had a skill set I do not possess. And he and I work really well together, very complimentary. But he thinks on a, on a higher plane as far as the evolution of and the marketing of the Grove Collective. And we are where we are today, largely because of his efforts and his work that he's put into it. Could not agree with that more. I mean, between the Delta thing with getting players to games and stuff like that and marketing deals and all that, you're exactly right. I mean, it had to be taken to the next level, but there was no next level to get to if y'all didn't do that initially. And so you had your moment. I'll close the podcast with this moment, even if you don't agree with it. There would be no Ole Miss football winning 11 games without William Liston and what you guys did. And I don't realize it in the moment, but I mean, you changed the course of Ole Miss football forever. And I appreciate you joining the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate getting to know you. Uh, I've known your dad. I even knew you when you were little, but you don't realize that. Was that shithead? No. That's good. No. You turned out pretty well. You turned out good. You never wore that. <laughs> he is William Liston. I appreciate the time. This was awesome. Okay, that's going to do it for our show today. Really appreciate William's time. I talked to him, like I mentioned, a couple weeks ago, but I thought the conversation still held up. Just needed the right time to put it in the podcast mix. So hope you enjoyed that. Hope you learned a lot. I certainly appreciated learning from him and him answering all of my questions. So hope you guys are having a good week. We'll have one more podcast for you this week. Of course, some basketball on Sunday with Bracken and a whole lot more next week. So thanks for listening to this podcast as always. We'll talk to you soon.